Hey, Dad Bandland fans. Boy, that's hard to say. Dad Bandland fans. This is Adam, the host of Dad Bandland, uh, warning you. You know what? We record right now on Zoom, which is unfortunate, and apparently there was something kind of wrong with my audio on that show. My bad. I apologize. Bear with us because this is a great show. And uh, I am audible, just compromised. Still, still got it. Yep. Hey, Jeffy. On tonight's dad band land. Yeah. 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 Did, yes, Adam. That, yeah. Do that. Oh, thing. He okay. Did it. He did it on well. tonight's. I, I thought oh, I was doing it. it. Yeah. I didn't even get to half of it actually. Do it. But you know, you got a good start. Are you done? I'm done. We haven't started. <laughs> Have you started? <laughs> All right. That was DBL, everybody. <laughs> On tonight's Dad Band Land, here's some of what we're going to be talking about. Elders, ancestors, sons and daughters, lion-hearted kings and everything in between. Take a seat. Music obsessively from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band. And that neighborhood cover band, it's so close now that we can taste it. We'll get to that in a minute. I'm Adam Felber. I am Kevin Burt, co-host of this. And Adam is right. We are so close to playing music again like the the, the named dad band of dad band land. So close. <laughs> the titular <And> character. <laughs> the titular character of this podcast so is returning. And yet so far... No, no, no. We'll get to what? that in a minute. No. Yeah, well, we'll but, see. We'll see. We'll see. Well, what we'll see I'm is welcome, Jeffy Brandon, your chief technology officer, 
And welcome back, Jeffy Branion. Welcome thank back. You for, uh, thank you for accepting my mission last week. <laughs> Accepted. It was, it was worth it. It was worth it, but Did we you missed you. Did you clean those bikinis? Did you, is the question. <laughs> no, you said you were going to get them cleaned. <laughs> I'm still sitting in it. Hey, Jeffy, Whoa. what is yes, playing sir. on Jeffy's Jukebox this evening? On Jeffy's Jukebox this week, it's unmistakable song intros. Yes. All right. <laughs> the best of yeah. the song intros. I, I love that topic. I can't wait to get to it. But first, I want to get to our fourth and final introduction the man who is just building a new floor onto the House of Wax. I think he's opening up a sex shop, he said earlier up there. It's Brian Frank. <laughs> Hello, gentlemen. <laughs> Hello, Brian, Brian, uh, Frank. Brian uh, I don't want to know what's playing on the top floor of your house, but what is being featured in your House of Wax, the main floor, tonight? Uh, tonight, uh, we'll be, in our mudroom, we'll be discussing the record that's <laughs> playing on the main floor. Which is uh, Pink Floyd's debut album, The Piper at the Gates of Dawn. All that right. was an interesting journey. Uh, it was a long, <laughs> I can't wait to discuss me. this. I, I don't can't know. wait to find out what your experience was with this record. I'm, I'm still going to have experience. Oh, yeah. it's going to be something special. But anyway, Dad Badland, let's get to our uh, our first segment, the trademarked, uh, what do we call <laughs> breakdown. this? Breakdown. Well, we call it Breakdown, and originally it was a, you know about breaking down the song. Then it was literally meta about the breakdown of the breakdown section that was no longer existing. And so now, because it was about the breakdown of our band. It was about the, and it was also about the breakdown of our bodies through the plague over the last and, couple of weeks. And now it's and about the breakdown of civilization. That is uh, definitely the underlying theme of, yeah. of Dadman Land, absolutely. Uh, no, it's a, well, here's what I'm excited about. Two things. One, if you've been following the story of my life, we finally got central air, so I'm not sweating to death doing this podcast. This is a Sweet. major breakthrough for me. This nice. has been a mental health pro, you know, plus in my life. And you tested uh, negative see, for COVID uh, today. I tested negative for COVID, zero line. How did you know nice. that? Did we talk about this? You texted. Yeah. You, yes. Yeah. Oh God, I don't remember who. Are you sure you're out of it? You don't remember texting us? <laughs> I've, I have this COVID brain. Feels a little like the long COVID's here. But go they on. Call go it the brain fog. And we are gearing up. Dare I say? And I don't get too excited, but I'm knocking on wood right now. That we're gonna just loosely rehearse, see where things go. Maybe play in a band, see what happens. We got a lineup going on. As long as nobody gets COVID and. We remember how to play our instruments. We may be getting some traction. Yeah, to, to review for our listeners who've been sticking with us for these 25 <laughs> episodes. <clears throat> um, yes. We managed to get the band back together, not with all the members, not with the members who have refused to play with each other. We have found a new drama-free lineup for the band. Well, we hope. Uh, we hope. We hope. We have yet to maybe where <laughs> the drama. We're going to find out. Maybe it's us. I don't know. Yeah, um, you were private texting me some snarky things about the band today, so whoa, we could be in what? Why are I'm you what? saying that? You don't are you already her? trying? Are you already <laughs> trying to what destroy have I been doing your today? new band? Oh my goodness! No, I was not. I was not. I'm just trying to remain optimistic that we're going to have a productive rehearsal because I need it so badly. It has been so long since we've done anything musically productive that I'm, yeah. I'm going to the withdrawal. I'm getting the shakes. I'm I'm, I'm dying for it. Dying for it. And it, we were suggesting a couple of new songs. We're going to yeah. learn a couple of old ones, and there's a couple of new ones. Do you want to reveal one that we might learn how to play? Uh, well, one of the songs we've been trying to do is Don't You Forget About Me, which I think would be a great cover, actually. It's one of those songs that people don't 
seem to cover and should. It's pretty easy. It's pretty it's slow, pretty though. I didn't rank it based on speed here. I didn't. You didn't tell me to pick a certain <laughs> tempo of song no, for pitching. I'm not, you you I'm just said name a it. song for God's sake. I named I'm a just, song we talked about. No, I'm just saying. You know, you said not a lot of people cover it. It's because you got to really, uh, you know, pick and choose among your ballads when you're a cover band. You can't have that many of them. Yeah, um, I don't know if I'd consider it a ballad. We'll find out very quickly if anyone's into that song or not. It will crash and burn or it'll be a delight. The other thing we're talking about, though, is Surrender by Cheap Trick, which is an all-time favorite of mine. And again, I think we can complain about this on the on the text, which is my only complaint, is that we're not doing every single other Cheap Trick song while we're doing Surrender. <laughs> That's the only, the only criticism I have, is there are like 300 other Cheap Trick songs we're also not doing. Awesome. Both of the songs that you've just named, though, have significant and interesting keyboard parts. I know. You know, I've grown. I've grown as a bandmate, as a person over the course of this, this COVID. I think I've come to a better place, Adam. Yeah. You? Even, if you're, even if your brain don't work. <laughs> even if I don't remember <laughs> texting you guys, people, about my tests. No, it, uh, I've, I've definitely put some effort into trying to figure out songs that have keyboard parts that are cool. And you seem to deny Final Countdown. That's on my list, but you you snarkily refuse to play that. I don't snarkily refuse. I just refuse. Hey, Brian, you wanted to say something. I can see you're <laughs> yeah, I, I was wondering. I was wondering if if you guys were looking at covering Interstellar Overdrive again. Oh, remember, man. every song on Pink Floyd's debut album features the keyboards. Adam, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and also, uh, yes, uh, Voivod, do. if you remember, Voivod does do a cover of Astronomy Domine, if you if you know this. Mm-hmm. It's it's a crowd crowd, crowd pleaser. <clears throat> Think about it. You know what? Okay, bike. I, bike I, I, would, I would opine on that, but I would have to yell, because that's <laughs> all the way down the road at Brian's House of Wax, and right now... We're turning into the ice house. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point, Brian. Brian, get back into your house. You're just showing up in the, the breakdown. And the breakdown, you started you started to infect us with your with your house of wax in the breakdown. We're going into department. the juke joint over here, where there's a jukebox in the juke joint, and the jukebox proprietor is Jeffy Brandon. Jeffy, let's get to Jeffy's jukebox. Here we are, Jeffy's jukebox, and I'm going to start us out with a single note. And you're going to tell me what song it is. Hit me, Kyle. Yeah, that's uh, don't. Mm-hmm. That's back in black. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, now this is—it's unmistakable. It's unmistakable. It amazing. We're, go- we're going over, uh, as, as Jeffrey said, uh, unmistakable and favorite intros. The skill, the the challenge here is that all four of us are guys who pride ourselves on being able to identify a song within a second. So we're really looking for the distinctive stuff. And, Jeffy, I have to say, that is probably one of the best rock and roll intros in history. I mean, it's unquestionable. Yeah, it's uh, it just slaps you in the face and make, makes you stand up. Like, you have to respect it. Let's, uh, let's break down why it's so good, too. Guitar tone, guitar and drum hit, singular note, no fade in, just right into the chord, right into the riff. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. immediately identifiable. Now, I, I wanted to challenge myself to come up, to think of a few intros that didn't just get you into the groove of the song, but kind of like were its own little piece of music as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here, I'll throw on, uh, I'll throw on uh, one of mine next. Hey, uh, Kyle, hit us with that Stevie Wonder joint. By the way, Stevie Wonder's intro, so many, so good, but this one is particularly good. <laughs> 
unmistakable. So good. Yeah, that's great. What's also so good about that is, and maybe it's just my my brain, but I feel like it starts on a different beat than the song turns out to. Every time it starts, I'm thinking it's a different beat, and then when it kicks in, yeah, it's I'm it's, it's a little hanky. The actual one and two, it, 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 yeah. yeah, it's 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 really it's a little bit hanky, and then it finds its way to that unmistakable groove. And I think what we have there is a guitar, a bass, some drums, and I think he was playing the clavinet a lot at that point in his career. I think that's what we're listening to there. But yeah, I think once again, that's from that's Songs right. in the Key of Life. That's I Wish. What a great, what a great intro. But yeah, you know, and that's a good point. There are a number of songs like that where my assumption of what the one and one and three are turn out to be the two and four or something like that. And that's always a clever way to start a song. And that's a it is. And, and there were so many Stevie songs I thought of doing. Um, for instance, Superstition starts with that yeah. really cool high keyboard. That's what I thought thing. you were going to pick. Yeah, it's, it's it's great, but then it just like hammers into that riff, and I kind of like. I wish it's so much more interesting. I think because of that cool bass line, but that was mine. Hey, Kevin, throw one out on the fire. Well, I I mean I have two. I won't do them all at once. One is super low hanging fruit, but I feel like I had to to do it. And one, <laughs> I wanted to bring up because it's super obscure. It's not an obscure band by any means, but it's a super obscure intro that seems to be lost to time. And I wanted to bring this up. But but my first one. Is definitely for me at least is the intro that that changed the world, which was the "Smells Like Teen Spirit" intro leading up to Dave Grohl's drum intro. Let's hear it. Unmistakable. <laughs> Kevin, I gotta say I'm disappointed. I thought you were gonna go for final countdown. What's wrong? With that? <laughs> well, you know what? If the final he, countdown he didn't have thirty seconds, didn't have thirty seconds of slow sounds of gravity building up to that riff, I would have, I would have picked it. People forget that. People forget that final countdown has a really you, know, you really could lose it's got a, a lot of that. Yeah. No, and also there's moments. There's moments, no matter how many times you love Final Countdown, and, and just hearing Nirvana again always excites me. No matter how many times I hear that, that guitar tone, that drum fill still gets me excited. But That Final drum Countdown, fill is so on point. Dave Grohl. So I, on point. I, I would say that without that fill, that intro isn't half as iconic as it is. As it I, is. I agree, and I would say this from experience, is a lot of my friends who were drummers <laughs> had big, big, like, Neil Peart, like, cage drums with, like, 20 roto-toms and stuff, and then he, Dave Grohl showed up with just a snare and, like, a couple toms and, and, just, and changed the world with that fill. All of a sudden, everyone was getting rid of their giant cages and going back to basic drums. You know, they didn't need three bass drums to make rock happen. If you're a fan of that, by the way, um, for the last couple of months, circulating on YouTube has been a video of Dave Grohl playing along with that track for the first time in like 25 years. And it's yeah. really worth your time to watch him just enjoying the shit out of, out of doing that thing that he, he, he did all, that, all those years ago. He's still a monster on the skins. He really is. I do want to get back to the final countdown real quick because I want to say no. as an intro. No, let me finish this. As an intro starts. Right, this is your second one. No, it's not my second one. Yes, it but, is. But it was brought you up brought by Brian up. Frank. It was brought. Oh, okay, look. then that's his first one. It's his first <laughs> one. <laughs> Just anyhow, sorry, Gabby. <laughs> okay, randomly, because Adam brought up a couple ones already with with a couple. He brought up two uh, Stevie Wonder songs. I don't know if they count as your two. Yeah, that anyhow, counts. But the final countdown has <laughs> right, has a few the, seconds. We're over. Segments over. 
The yep. final countdown is a few <laughs> seconds where you don't know what song it may be. Even if you've heard it a million times, you're like, I wonder what this is going to be. And then you are either thrilled to find out it's the final countdown or or sucked into disappointment when you find out it's the final countdown. Either way, it's, obviously, it rejects the definition of unmistakable because you're saying I, it's exactly. mistakeable. It is extremely mistakable. Hey, let's get the unmistakable voice of Brian Frank involved here. Brian, I know you have yeah. a list. Of 65 <laughs> interests. I do. I do. That's true. So, Start I us off a with one. List, but what I tried to do was, for mine, I refrained from, because I thought about this deeply, I refrained from guitar riff intros. Because there are so many great guitar riff intros that suck you in on the song. I wanted to think about something different. So... Kyle, if you could start with my first one and, and let's see how long it, it takes everyone on this one. Let's see if anyone can do it in, in one note. I'll count down. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah, I haven't gotten it yet. I don't hear anything yet. Uh, yeah, I don't hear anything. I heard a little... Ah, oh, oh yeah. How does it feel? Right, that's new order. Who treats me like you do? That's great. Yeah, that's pretty good. I must commend you, you know, Brian. At, at the keyboard, one of the one of the things that's so appealing about that as a keyboardist is that was the era. What year was that? Was that out? Was that? Cut. 84? Four? Yeah. It was exactly it when yeah. when certain bands stopped <clears throat> being apologetic about the sound of digital synths. They they sound a lot, you know, a lot hollower and a lot sharper than, than the analog synths, but uh, bands like New Order stopped apologizing and leaned into how harsh that sound is, and that's why that intro is so great. Yeah. 83, confirmed 83. Confirm kill. Oh, that's, that's interesting, yeah. yeah. That's an excellent choice. Let's keep yeah, going around. Choice. Jeffy, I know you got another one. All right, Kyle. Chamber. This is another one. I, I think you'll be able to identify it right away. And uh, it's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, uh, for, for, for Brian and Kevin, <laughs> if you didn't great. hear it, yeah, that was, uh, I know that from the first piano chord. It's Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. Oh, okay. Uh, I know yeah. that very well. It didn't come through. Yeah. Through. That's okay. That's a, that's that a, a good great one. intro. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's so simple. It's just the repeated, uh, uh, eighth note chords. And then I guess the bass joins in and then the drum joins in. Yep. But it, it, there's just nothing else. It's super simple. Unadorned yeah. and unmistakable. Great, great suggestion. Here's one, kind right. of from the same era. Um, and it's not a song that I love, although I once saw a band that I like cover it and it killed. However, this band has now become very special to us here at DBL. Uh, let's hear the let's hear my second one, Kyle. This is just the burningest intro. <laughs> yeah. Toto never killed anybody. <laughs> that, that descending, that descending guitar riff at the end of the intro, it's, it's so over the top, it's so big. I feel like the, the song basically can't live up to that intro. 
Although no, I was <laughs> I was I was just thinking that I was I, as I heard this, it starts out like it's going to be this big, big rock song. And if it was a big rock song, like, like a Bon Jovi song, they would have sung that riff. Like the verse would have been related to that riff. Instead, it becomes like a mid-tempo Springsteen song or something. It just, it's, it's, and it it's almost down. like a it's almost like a quiet swing at the beginning after that great yeah. intro. Then it's yeah. like it's not in the way that you. Play. <laughs> it, it goes what? the last place. They're like, you know what? We blew it, guys. We cannot possibly top that. Let's just bring this down. It's too dangerous. I this first agree. thirty seconds is too dangerous for us. Let's let's play this other song instead. Yeah, yeah. In the middle of this song. I mean, that is a, a small category, but intros that are better than the song themselves. <laughs> the letdown. The subset, yeah. yeah. In the, the Venn diagram. Maybe we'll do that sometime. I know Brian has a list already. Yeah. 65 I have, Well, I have one I want, want to bring up, and it's, it's an intro that I always thought was part of the song and has been lost to time, and that is... That the American version of the song and album "Help" by the Beatles—you've heard of the Beatles? Yeah. Had always had an intro to it that was this bombastic thing with sitar and strings, and it sounded a little bit like "Within You, Without You." It's on the American version of "Help." It's on the American version of the Red Greatest Hits album, the 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 nineteen sixty two to sixty six album. It's the only version of "Help" we had access to to like the late eighties. And at some point, in whenever they, they made all the British versions, the main versions of, of Beatles albums. So for 20-plus years, this was the version of Help that we had. And in the 90s, I, I bought Help on CD and was like, where is it? This, this section is gone. I always thought it was part of the song. So I don't know who had Help before the 80s. You guys might have had it as kids. But this intro, which I'll play for you, was always part of the song. And I long assumed it was the Sgt. Peppery, Peppery part of Help, if you can take a listen to it right now. right into help the song yes wow. and I, my my whole life i thought that was part of, that is this has been lost the time you can't find it on anything it doesn't exist anymore well i think it's a previous track isn't it i mean because no the american version of the album help included soundtrack music it did but that's not yes. part of the it's not that's, part, not that's part the of second that? half of it no that's the second half of the album that's well yes arguably it is part of it of the album but the actual track help had that intro and on the greatest hits the track help had that intro as well so it's always been a part of the song Help in my mind. And it's always made Help one of my favorite songs. Lost the time. Gone. Missing. Wow. My mom had two rock albums among my parents' giant collection of classical and some jazz. And they were Sgt. Pepper and Help. And I discovered them when I was eight years old. And that's how I kind of uh, fell in love with the Beatles. It was Sergeant, I was all about Sgt. Pepper. But I Same. did listen to the hell out of that Help album. Well, you know what? That's funny. My parents' only record that survived that wasn't like Temptations and R&B was Sgt. Pepper. You and I grew up on the same record from our parents. Wow. We lived all of that. I love it. Yeah, no, no. My dad eventually got so sick of me asking him to come down and flip over the record because I wasn't allowed at the age of eight to do it, <laughs> that he just he just set a timer and every half hour he'd walk downstairs and flip the record over. Wow. <laughs> I still have that first that version of from Sgt. Pepper when it came out. I still have that in my other room right now. Great record. Um, hey, Brian, you yep. I, you get to back, back clean up here. You're a number four hitter. All right, nice. What do you got? So I got uh, another one from England that uh, predates my first one by 10 years. And to me, uh, learning about how they even 
made this intro and this song uh, makes it even more special. Uh, could you play it for us, Kyle? Premature wax fat. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. See a theme. <laughs> Unmistakable. It's crazy, right? How they had to do that. I was uh I was just watching the the classic albums, Dark Side of the Moon, that and uh, Time with all the clocks. Right. And how they had to like set all the clocks to ring at the certain like, man, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it was a lot. It's a, you know, what's funny, too. It, it is a lot of work, especially because 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 um, that song's in like, what, five, eight time or something bizarre that you can't actually dance to or do anything to. But but also this is the the dark side of a very recognizable intro. As we've discussed, I didn't I didn't do a Pink Floyd deep dive until this past couple of years, and I really came to love and appreciate them. But because that intro was so iconic, I immediately knew I could change the channel in that moment because I would never have to listen. So I would never have to hear that song. That's the dark side of the recognizable <laughs> intro. I was like, nope. Changing the channel. <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, here. Chink, kink, nope, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk more about uh, that Pink Floyd on the other side of this break. Um, because, yes. yeah, we have stuff to say about them as a band and as of that featured album. But that's on the other side of our featured sponsors who are right here. It's Dad Band Land. We'll be right back. <laughs> DVL is back. DVL. <laughs> oh, it's so back. fun to do this. Even over the Zooms, doing this with you guys is fun. And I'm so glad that three of the four of us are on the other side of our COVID. I know. I know. It's pretty amazing. Jeffy Triumphant is the underlying subtext yeah. of what you just said. Yeah, Jeffy Triumphant has still managed to Je- not Jeffy, COVID. Jeffy scared. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffy, <laughs> Jeffy, Jeffy doesn't know what COVID's going to do to him. Right. Y'all, y'all <laughs> yeah. know. Y'all seen it. No, you know what? You know, who knows what the future holds? But as of right now, Jeffy, you are triumphant. You, you have are. definitely won. And as long as I never leave this room again. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll remain. Oh, but you winning. have to leave the room because we're going on a summer road trip. Hop in the car, everybody. Oh, Here we oh, go. Okay. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> when does open masks oh, no, on? Wait, the, the, the engine All is right. overheating. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. This is an unlikely place to break down right near that. Can't you get this old house. jalopy fixed? Why are there well, like three other broken down cars here? What happens in this place? <laughs> Some kind of EMP. Yeah, right. it's just like the Bermuda Triangle of, of records. Kevin, you go check out the barn for uh, for jumper cables. Yeah, and, yeah, I'll get I'll right walk, there. I'll walk I'll up be to headed the porch. right over there. I'll walk up to the porch and talk to this this man who seems to be lurking. There. Yeah, lurking what, in his own home. What? Somehow, he's worse somehow, worse every week. somehow <laughs> lurking at home. He's, he's <laughs> moving. He's moving his hands in his pockets in a strange way. Yes, I'm going to go Hello, over to that sir. barn. You go. You go talk to that guy. <laughs> hey, Brian, what do you have in your house of wax today? <laughs> I thought you guys might need some help. It looks like your car's broken down. That's oh, all. I might as well just we're go fine. back into my we're house. Fine. Well, well, all we need are some car repairs and. Some facts about a primo album from history. <laughs> well, I can I can help you with the latter, not the former. 
Okay. <laughs> Good enough. Uh, so, so tonight we're talking about Pink Floyd's debut album, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, which was originally released in England uh, on August the 5th, 1967, which would make it uh, 55 around the time of this. Just recording. about exactly a month after Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band in that same yep. city. Look at that. My, my parents did not one. buy. My parents did not buy a copy of this record. I'll tell you that. It was not in my house. <laughs> we have another another Beatles tie-in too about this one, but um it was released later in America on October 21st uh with an altered track listing which um we can talk about later. It's mind-boggling what what record labels did back then. <laughs> um but um but this uh this record was recorded uh, in about 28 days uh, between February and May 1967, and it was produced by Norman Smith. And Norman Smith had been the engineer for the Beatles uh, all the way up to an ending with Rubber Soul when uh, Jeff Emmerich came in. And so Norman Smith theoretically got a promotion at EMI Abbey Road by becoming a full-fledged producer, <laughs> although... Not working with the Beatles anymore and working with the fledgling Pink Floyd. I don't know. He he right. went on to do um, went on to do two more of their albums. But what was interesting to me is after working with Pink Floyd as a producer, he became an artist in his own right. Here's the sidetrack wax fact. Um, wax under the moniker <laughs> under the moniker Hurricane Smith. So, oh. have you guys ever heard of Hurricane Smith? Oh, sure. I know the name. Why do I know Hurricane Smith? Well, I'm familiar Hurricane with Hurricanes S and Smiths. Oh, okay. Okay, well, well that's then you know. close enough. Yeah. Uh, he had a couple of big hits, including a song called Oh, Babe, What Would You Say? Oh, I don't uh, know that which... Hurricane Smith. Oh, okay. And, uh, and another song called Don't Let It Die. Anyway, he became a famous uh, recording artist, Hurricane Smith. Norman. Interesting. Hurricane Smith. Side quest. So, anyway... <laughs> Side fact. Side fact. Ooh, that's Ooh. a good one. I think that's the that's <laughs> the winner. Side tracks. That's the winner. Um, <laughs> so uh, this this is their uh, their debut album, and this is their only uh, Sid Barrett album. Uh, and Sid, uh, aside from two co-writes, uh, which really just jams uh on this record power torch and interstellar overdrive he wrote uh all the other songs except for roger waters uh take up thy stethoscope and walk i'm gonna um, i'm gonna i'm gonna cut in here just for people who don't yeah, yeah, know as many wax facts as you to let wax everybody facts. know that sid barrett was the original uh lead singer composer and guitarist for pink floyd uh Depending on who you believe, he had a he had some kind of mental breakdown uh, around the time that they were touring this first album, and left the band soon after. So everything you know about Pink Floyd from the second album on has nothing to do with Sid Barrett. But for some reason, he's a legend. You stole Ooh. my next wax facts. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, that's okay. So um, yeah, so this record came out in August. As Adam said, they were they're touring this record. His uh, Behavior became worse and worse. In December, they added David Gilmore, who a lot of people is to a lot of people is really the symbol of Pink Floyd uh, these days. He's he is the leader of Pink Floyd with Roger Waters' departure, or uh, however you want to put it. Uh, it's quite contentious. But anyway, he was added in December, so just you know four months after this record came out, and they had this concept that Sid 
would continue to write for the band, but just not perform, uh, a la Brian Wilson. Um, but then in April of 68, he was officially out of the band. What's interesting is the managers of Pink Floyd just thought that he was the star. So they ended up sticking with managing him and let the band go. <laughs> oh, so, wow. Uh, <laughs> that's a uh, that's, uh, mismanagement right there. Um, and that, you know, that brings up, you know, as you're saying, Adam, you know, it's important to point out that he was the singer, guitar player, uh, songwriter of this band. I, I haven't been able to come up with, I know other bands where they had a second or third singer where the band became more successful. But can any of you guys think of a band where the, the lead everything left and they became more successful after he was gone or she was gone? No, it's a good, it's a very good question. In fact, I'd love to, I want to, I'd like to ask questions with Adam about this when we get deeper. What into about this, Genesis? When you finish this. But, he, but uh, Genesis is, they, they is, were is arguably dissimilar. more successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. After Peter uh, Gabriel I, left. Yeah. I think, Peter I think Gabriel, Genesis is good. That's true. Genesis is probably the yeah. closest. The only, the only difference is that he leaves for a successful solo career. Right. Doesn't, <laughs> and to a certain extent, and, and, to, to a large point, before we get deeper into this, I mean, I think there's a reason why Sid Barrett is so famous, and I do think the entirety of Pink Floyd's career is about Sid Barrett one way or the other. So there's there's that story to it. There's the sacrificial lamb quality to him that that right. is part of everything Pink, Pink Floyd does after. Not a lamb lies down on Broadway. No, 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 exactly. But another good example of somebody who who, who did a great record and it was like, I need more of this. And less of that other stuff. Um, yep. I think. Uh, All right, well, go on, Brian. Let's yeah. let's get to yeah. Sure. Let's get to the let's get to the details. Absolutely, I'm 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 almost there. So, um, the UK version uh, hit number six, which is pretty successful. The US version, which they replaced Astronomy Domine with the single See Emily Play, a non-album track, to lead off the album. Uh, Flaming was not included, and the album closer Bike was not included. That bizarre version, which was just called Pink Floyd, by the way, uh, only hit number 131 in America. <laughs> I can't imagine um, why. And yeah, Out of 132. Like, yeah, and like, I, you know, what a different experience, and I want to hear about everyone's experience with this album, but what a different experience to not open with Astronomy Domine and open with See Emily Play, which is another one of these like Sid Barrett kind of nursery rhymey songs. It's kind of weird. Um, and uh, yeah, just last thing, little fun fact. Um, the fun album title, fact. <laughs> fun wax fact, wax fun <laughs> fact. Uh, the album title was um, from uh, the seventh chapter seven of the book, The Wind and the Willows, which apparently was one of Sid's favorites. Um, and it's about an encounter with the god Pan, who plays his pipe at dawn, right? The piper at the gates of dawn. Mm -hmm. And um, as Kevin said, his legend continued within Pink Floyd in the song uh, Shine on You Crazy Diamond, which is about Sid Barrett, when he says, uh, go on you piper, uh, he's right. referring to Sid Barrett. So, so Wind like, in the Willows, in case you're wondering this whether album. this album could be more English, the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> no. It is, it is, yeah. it is England yeah. in a bottle. That, that is... It's more English than 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 tea and crumpets. Than tea and crumpets. <laughs> so, have you guys were you familiar with this before? Because I'm a devotee of Pink Floyd, and I have I have a deep experience with this album. But I'm curious for you guys. 
like I was thinking about it when I was listening to it this week. Like, what would it be like if this were the first time I ever heard this? Well, record? let me let me start that because, because I, mean, I, I could tell I, you. I have a feeling that that's what that's what half of our story is going to be. My my experience is the inverse of most, which is that this was the only Pink Floyd album I I had until about two years ago, and. No uh Yes. And and part of the reason is, do you remember in the 90s, there was a Pink Floyd box set that came out that had all their records, right? And there was a disc called Pink Floyd, the early singles, right? And I didn't love Pink mm-hmm. Floyd, but it's, I borrowed that disc and it was all the Sid Barrett singles like See Emily Play, Apples and Oranges. And I loved that so much. That was not it was the songs were quick. They weren't all lengthy like art the rock songs. I like the laughing gnome. It makes I like total the laughing sense. gnome. But, yep. You know, England has a, a weird about a year and a half where everyone's making weird psychedelic. It doesn't last long. It's about it's between Sergeant Pepper through the White Album. Then it's over when they're doing this weird thing. But I love that stuff. So I got Piper at the Gates of Dawn, and that was the only for the longest time the only Pink Floyd album that I ever owned. That I that I wow. and I knew it inside out and backwards. Um, because of because we've talked earlier, because classic rock radio made me think I would not like later Pink Floyd, and it turns out I do. But I had to get past that bias of them playing the same four songs over and over again on classic rock radio. But yeah, I'm very familiar with this. This is you know, this is my personal favorite Pink Floyd album even now. But um, I'd love to know Adam. Adam and uh, Jeffy probably never got into this. Yeah, I literally <laughs> nope. never listened to it before this week. Me neither. Yeah. Jeffy, you go first. What do you think? Well, yeah, How is this like? I mean, yeah, it was, you know, because I learned my, you know, 99% of my psychedelic listening is the Beatles and right. the Dukes of Stratosphere, which is a, of course, which is a, you know, it's a made up, it's, it's kind of a, like a, not a cover band. What what would you call the Dukes? Alt, an alter they're, ego they're, band they're of XTC. Alter ego psychedelic band from the eighties, pretending to be a band from the late sixties. Yeah, and right. I'm real. And I realized after listening to this album that that songs like, you know, twenty five o'clock, and jeez, uh, um, bike ride to the moon, and a bunch of stuff from the Dukes is like literally like. They have characters. They're you know, like like the gnome and the scarecrow, right? They're they're telling these stories of these these weird mm-hmm. animated creatures or things you don't expect to be alive. And between that and the great guitar work, uh, Lucifer Sam just grabs you right away. Mm-hmm. Lucifer Sam is and a great cut. Interstellar yeah. Overdrive as well. I love the beginning so of that good. and. It ends with a symphony of geese. Is there anything more psychedelic than that? It's super psychedelic. Um, all right. I'll weigh in. And, and I'll first I'll weigh in with a question. Um, who amongst us has done LSD? Guilty. Me, me, me and Brian. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, I am LSD it, curious, though. <laughs> this album is, is like a... a four-star salute, a 21-gun salute to, to acid. There's just no doubt about it. Um, like, I recognize certain things, certain sounds and certain repetitions, certain squeaks and, 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 and lyrical gambits that's like, oh, yeah, this is good right now. But if I was this on acid, this would be huge. The ending of Interstellar Overdrive where there's that, like, flange thing and the whole mm-hmm. song turns inside out. That's just like, hey, you want to know what LSD is like? Here you that's, go. That's what, that's what happens. 
Absolutely right. I mean, if you if you don't intend to take LSD, but you're curious, you could just listen <laughs> to this album. It does it for you. And I, I will say this: it is for me. It was somewhere between a great, maybe the best psychedelic album, and the best parody of a psychedelic album that I've ever heard. There's <laughs> yeah. all do you that. Think, do you think time sweet... only offers that to you? Like, if 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 you lived in 1968, you would have to accept it as not parody as only. Fact. As fact, yeah. it was simply yes. fact. Yeah, wax <laughs> fact. It was yeah. wax fact. No, yeah. sir, I, but I had the same experience, Adam. Like it was like I was listening to a parody of a parody. Like I was like, yeah. because I'm more familiar with the the Duke songs, uh-huh. these sounded like parodies of that. When it's actually yeah. the other way around, it, it it's amazing, and so the sounds are really great. It reminds you of how short lived, as Kevin was saying, the psychedelic movement was. Um, yeah, it, it is not long. It turns out there's music that's better for listening to while you're on drugs than music that is made while you're on drugs. That is, I think that's yeah, one of yeah, the big lessons just, of the psychedelic era. It's like, like going to, and also it's from an era that, that that little tiny piece of time when listeners wanted to have their minds blown not by music only, but also just by sounds. Like, right, what experience. are you doing with the stereo, panning it from one to the other? It was right. the experience of sound was was a completely different thing. So I, you know, there were times when I was listening to it, and I was like, "Are we really going to talk about sitting on a dandelion? Are we really? Yes, we are. Look at that. Yeah. There we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And and the cover, the album cover, which I know our listeners can't see, but look it up, uh, was meant to mimic what being on acid looks like to you know someone and another. Uh, Fun fact is uh, the lens, Fun the fact. special camera lens that was used to create that image is owned by George Harrison. It was loaned oh, wow. to the photographer wow. to make well, that image. Well, that's yet another silly, stupid, wax sidetracks fact, um, <laughs> which, is, which is that like the, the English psychedelic people, they had all these <laughs> affiliated artists who would like build shit for them. The Beatles had a guy yeah, named Magic, Magic Alex, Alex <laughs> yeah. Who, was, oh, yeah. who was like, hey, I've created the greatest amplifier ever. It just doesn't plug in. You know, right. it was just, just like stuff was stuff was off the hook. So, well, and it's, a, it's a short run period of time. But I'll, to your point, Adam, of like Sid Barrett somehow legendary, I gotta, if you go into the context of just look at Sid Barrett in 1968, and there's a young looking guy, good looking guy, clearly a, a leader of this band. Look at the rest of the members of Pink Floyd. I can see how management's like, that's the guy we're going to hitch our wagon to, right? This guy is going to, because he had a, more of a presence than Mark Bolin or David Bowie ended up having. Like, he was the forerunner of that, what ended up being psychedelic turn glam rock thing, right? He had the eyeshadow, yeah. he had the whole vibe about Had he him. had enough time, he might have even learned how to sing a little better, too. But, well, you know, he just don't... didn't have that. You know, it's, and that's fine. That's fine for what this album is. There's, there's nothing that he does on his album that isn't 100% him, and I, I endorse it all. Well, and it's a different band. I mean, they're doing his songs, and that's ultimately what it comes mm-hmm. down to. But I would mm-hmm. say this is obviously not the most famous record or the most loved record, but I, I consider this the most important one because almost every record after this is a reaction to this record. You know, like Wish You Were Here is almost a whole record about them being famous and missing the guy who started it with them. The Wall is a double record set that literally dramatizes his whole experience with 
being a rock star. It's like a Sid yeah. Barrett story. Well, it's also Roger Waters' experience of being a rock star. That came out of Ro- Roger starting to have his own personal breakdown. And, you know, I, I listened to a couple of other Pink Floyd albums this week, which is really out of character for me. And, uh, you know, they're still fun. They're still scary. Um, but, honestly, The Wall and, to an extent, Dark Side of the Moon aren't as interesting to me now that I've listened to this album. I, it's you know, not. I'm, it's I, not my favorite, but it's the most. No, I'm gonna. I'm definitely. I. I. I don't love the wall or or dark side of the moon as much as most do. I do love wish you were here. I do love metal. I do love other ones. I do love animals. But um, I think that I just think that <clears throat> one of the things that makes the later Pink Floyd records relatable is a sense that this band misses this guy. Do you know what I mean? That they wish they could work with this guy because they remain friends. Because he made two solo albums after that record that they're that david gilmore's on do you know that they kind of co-produced produced, yeah he produced and rick wright played on and yeah they wanted him to succeed and then there is that yeah. heartbreaking story where he shows up there's pictures of this where he shows up during wish you were here sessions and he is overweight and he has shaved his eyebrows and his head and they did not know who he was he was just sitting in the studio if you haven't seen this picture it's pretty stunning they're recording Whoa. an album about him and he shows up and they're like who's this guy <laughs> Because they only remember him being this young, you know, total total rock star guy. And then they started, I guess, allegedly, so one of them started crying because they could not believe that it was him. And this is what had happened to him. It's pretty hard. And it's such a collapsed time frame when you think about it. It's like a decade between Piper at the Gates of Dawn and The Wall. And, yeah. you know, oh, after yeah. that, Pig Floyd is more or less over. And that, that whole thing just happens in this crazy, intense, weird decade that they spent. And I do have to say that Gibby Gilmore, who's not really on this at this time, he saves the band like he I don't think Roger Waters could have handled this band without David Gilmore coming out to balance his perception off because 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 Roger Waters writes, I believe, like Scarecrow on this, which is a which is a good song. And that, he, not only wrote, uh, he only wrote Take Up Thy Stethoscope oh, and Walk. OK, then I'm, so, I'm wrong yeah. about that. I thought he did Scarecrow, but I I. He's not the force, the songwriting force he becomes till later. And they all and they all admitted that that when Sid after this record, they were like, "Oh shit, now we have to figure out how to write songs." And you know, that's why there's a Sid Barrett composition. Think about this. There's a Sid Barrett <laughs> composition on the next album yeah. cuz they couldn't even come up with enough tunes to fill it. <laughs> and and the, and the heartbreaking thing is you do wonder cuz he does have one song on the next record. And it's a great song. And you do wonder, had he kept making music, I mean, Pink Floyd would not have been the band we know, but they might have been a truly great band through the 70s that we, just a totally different band. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting yeah. thoughts. I, you know, you know, for the old thumbs up, thumbs down, I would say if, if you haven't listened to it, it's such an interesting piece of rock history listen to it. I don't know that I would call for me listening to it a completely pleasurable experience. <laughs> Like, no, it's like, challenging. It is challenging. It's challenging, <laughs> it's challenging yeah. Um, and and I would agree. it doesn't even have the kind of grooves that later Pink Floyd's albums, kind of, to kind of like some of Pink Floyd's, you know, more self-indulgent excursions, I can I can kind of sit back and enjoy because they have kind of a deep groove to them. Right. Not as much of that on this. Still, I, I, I give it a thumbs up. I'm going to have to. Yeah, I agree. I'm especially because I have a greater appreciation for it because of the things that it inspired. Right. Right. I, even though I hadn't heard the source, I appreciated what came from it. And so that allowed me a kind of immediate access to this album in a way that 
other unfamiliar albums take more like this on the first yeah. listen. I was like, okay, this is my jam, right? Yeah. But, and I'm going to ask Brian and Kevin. I know it's a joke, a joke that you don't listen to XTC. Do you listen? Do you, well, you listen to you, XTC you, offshoot bands that are uh, in fact XTC? Um, not that I'm aware to, of. Is, is, will is you, it possible? Will, will you listen to the Dukes of Stratosphere? Oh, is that what chips, I was wondering? You, you kept, from you kept the, naming sorry, them like they're a band it. we should know, and I was like, I yeah. guess it's something I should know. It's something. <laughs> it's something half of us know. Uh, I and definitely all recommend it to everybody. Uh, yeah, so XTC. Let me get made a parody band. Yes, they made two EPs, and it's. One is called Sonic Sunspot, and the other is yeah, called, called Twenty Five O'clock. Yeah, and they put them together and they called it Chips from the Chocolate Fireball, and and it it's is great. It You're is, making this up. Is, this isn't real. I'm not. No, I, no, wish, okay. I, I couldn't make this up. I guarantee you'll like it. I could say psychedelic music is a little bit like heavy metal to me, where even when it's bad, I can thoroughly enjoy it. Right? And like even if this. it's not working, I can. There's certain forms of music where it's bad. You're like, oh god, I'm not going to make it to the end of this song. But bad heavy metal and bad psychedelic, I'm still on board. I still can follow that to the end. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, say, well, uh, I, I get I it. Say we, we all take acid and listen to chips from the chocolate ball. <laughs> chips from the ball of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what else you will enjoy, everybody? You're going to enjoy the hell out of these sponsors. Woo! Dead Man Land will be right back. DBL. DBL is back. D-B-L. And oh, man. We are tripping balls now, people. <laughs> yeah, I... I... I never thought I would see something like this. <laughs> you shouldn't have drunk that water, Jeffy. Oh, oh yeah, it was laced. They told me to keep I haven't drinking d- I, water. I, I did, uh, the, the LIC I did was as many years in my rearview mirror, but it was, um, listening to this album almost gave me flashbacks. <laughs> it wasn't l- the last night while making dinner for your family? <laughs> no, no. It okay. turns out that interferes with my cooking skills. Okay. In a bad way? To, well, yes, because I tend to cook with sounds and colors. <laughs> You're right. Um, as opposed to food. I mean, that's a good that's good if you're dieting. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right. Um let let's roll on to uh, you know, one of our two favorite ending segments. It's time, everybody, for hidden treasures. Hidden now, treasures. We, sometimes right. we talk to each other beforehand and say, hey, who wants to start and who wants to end? Um, who wants to start? Now the listeners get to peek behind the curtain. Anybody want to? You know, I, I first? can I can start because mine mine requires a, a little bit of a story. Go ahead. Okay. And and it comes directly out of our um, discussion here about you know experimental progressive art rock. And so my hidden treasure is a song here by a band that that is outrageous that I love that is the French. Progressive experimental band known as Magma. Are you any of you familiar with Magma? <laughs> like, Brian is. Uh, Brian is Magma? Familiar. All right, so Magma. Let's. We got. I got to talk about Magma. <laughs> I got to talk about Magma in general. He's Magma. Not best night okay. of my life. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> is this the first time someone outside of your own brain brought up Magma? Because I'm bringing up Magma yeah, right now. Pretty much. Pretty much. We're other about other than the next. members of Magma. Yeah. yeah. So Magma is this French band, and they, they're you know the, kind of a jazz meets experimental, uh, you know, 
progressive rock and um, they play all their songs. Like the first album is about people fleeing earth to a planet called Kobaya. And so all the songs are written in a new language oh, called Co- Kobayan. Kobayan. Oh, Kobayan. Oh, Kobayan. And, uh, sorry. So so Magma sings all of their songs in a in a language that does not exist. Like if you go to see a Magma performance, they, well, they it sing, ex- it exists. Well, it's not used the by same way that not Klingon exists. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, I mean, I got to, Magma musically is fascinating across the board. Um, I picked the track here, but my love of Magma is, it came from my, my love of how much they committed to the bit. This is not a halfway group. This is not a, like, we're, you know, we're going to do one song this way or one, no, this is Magma. And this song is called Trawler Tans that I'm going to play a sample of. And Trawler Tans, I feel like, is the kind of thing that might trigger you to, to have a breakdown or to just run out into the street screaming. So prepare yourself for, for Trawler Tans. <laughs> if we can start about a minute into Trawler Tans by Magma. assessment so anyhow um you're gonna have to divide your life into two chapters pre-knowledge of magma and post-knowledge <laughs> yep. of magma i feel yep. like and now you know about magma and about yeah. kobayan and uh you can do a deep dive into the into the works of, that's off their sixth album udu wudu their the sixth album oh they still make <laughs> records now there How? are like 20 some record studio albums not counting live records and magma did, is a force do they all use this language or yes Oh. Okay, guys. I'm going to take back what I said earlier. Let's all take acid and go to a magma concert. <laughs> now you're that talking. Is, that is just stunning. It is it is amazing. And wow. I said this in the nicest possible way, the most complimentary way. But it is amazing when a group of artists disappear up their own asses like that. <laughs> that, that like nobody else in the world could ever yeah. like that they, can't be from Magma's debut album. No, it, it, no. it takes years, years <laughs> to hone that. that crap. They discovered a pocket universe in their own asses. <laughs> yeah, they did. All right, they did. I'm gonna. I, I want to step up next because it's gonna be so different, and I'm gonna do something a little. <laughs> I'm going to do something a little unprecedented. Oh, my God, Magma. This is going to change your palate a little bit for Magma. Magma's hot. It, it's also, it's in, I feel like Magma is a direct descendant of um, of our Pink Floyd discussion. This is, too, in its own own weird way, but it's okay. very, very, very different. Um, uh, and the unprecedented thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little taste of two songs. And I promise you, unless you get really into it, they are the only two songs by this uh, band that you will ever hear. Uh, Kyle, start with the second one if you don't mind. Mother, mother, I have come to you for I have seen. I am here doing better now, better than that now. Is this some kind of joke? Do you inhale with 
The same You're thing. off by about 25 years. Which direction? Uh, uh, this this is a band. All right, I'll tell you the story. I got a call from this band manager that I'm friends with. He's a, he's a guy who uh, manages They Might Be Giants and, and a bunch of other bands. Um, and he, he called me in like 2008, and he said, I want to send you a demo, and I want you, you to tell me if, if, if I should manage this band. And the demo was for a band called The Booze out of Atlanta. He had to explain to me that in Atlanta, in the in in about 2008, 2009, there was this budding mod scene. Are you guys familiar with that? No. I did not know that. No. There were there were a bunch of bands and a bunch of people dressing in 60s mod fashion and playing 60s mod stuff. Interesting. Foremost among them is this band The Booze. Um, two kids who literally grew up in the same house because uh, one was adopted as a teenager and grew up in the basement. They learned how to play instruments together. They look so mod. They look so cool. And my friend didn't end up managing them. They went with somebody else. They made an album and a half. And they're still legends on the Atlanta scene, although nothing is produced in, in, any more smoothly than what you just heard. They're essentially mm. a demo tape that never happened in <clears throat> a giant band. But they're wonderful. That that they they sounded great. I I, I I actually wondered if they were they might be Giants spinoff because there was a vibe that could be one of the Johns doing doing more legit. No, rock but these band. these kids were not kidding at all. They were just yeah. living that, that mod lifestyle, making these these songs, and superbly talented musicians too. They broke up in about two thousand and ten or eleven, but I recently saw that they did a very successful live streaming concert in February of this year as their reunion. Interesting. I thought that was. Are they, are they getting back cool. together? I I don't know. I'm I'm for for, is, for, uh, for unprecedented. songs. Unprecedented. You stumped us. Yeah, yeah. for songs that are, are sung in a language that other people speak, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good song. I feel. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I that's feel the like... parameter in which we go by now. <laughs> that's the bar well, we have to clear. They do speak a language that yeah. people outside of the band can understand. Yeah, I'm not entirely that, sure that, I'm into that, that is, anymore. That, that's I'm a plus that when communicating. Either, but, if any of our listeners are still into songs in actual human languages, um, you could do worse than fire up Spotify and Apple Music and listen to the, the, the first and only real album by the Booze. They're a lot of fun. Awesome. Jeffy, Brian, which one wants to step up next? I'll step in with... Um, this is an album from 2016, and 
I believe it is the first crowdsourced album that we've discussed on the program. Yes, it was a Kickstarter. Hmm. And um, this is from a group that I've loved for a long time. And uh, I'll just let the song speak for itself. You consider them kings, about to icing on cakes. Chariots cruise at tortoise speeds. Lay your bifocals on royalties. Longer than Sears catalogs, stern like matadors and fatable actual LPs. Mirror the crimson tie, the color of the Rubik's. Them duplex views got your nose up. But cozy up to this warmth though, and long term froze up. The Jonas up, I get swallowed by the Barracuda. Androids read raps off our phones. I choked the blood out of felt tips. Heavyweights up to the front if the belt fits. The wealth is like ivory toothpicks. One out of each tusk and muskets bust for each and every hiccup. Salute life when dawn breaks. Foreign colored faux mink lapels on these royalty capes. I repeat, salute yeah. life when dawn breaks. Foreign colored faux mink lapels around royalty capes. So that oh, is, I know what that, I know that, what that is. is. Cool. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, of course, Royalty Capes from the De La Soul album and the Anonymous Nobody. And uh, I love that song. It was certainly not hidden amongst the Kickstarter crowd, but um, I don't feel like that album got enough play and certainly that song. That was That's great. That was, yeah. Yeah. that was killer. And what's amazing about De La Soul is... They've continued on their vibe and their energy the way they do it, and they have um, followed technology and opportunities like you're talking about, Jeffy. And I think I admire that so much about them, that they're open-minded to how the world has changed. And there's not a lot of groups from the 80s who are still relevant. Yeah, what's right. going on yeah, yeah. and how they do it, you know, and yeah. they're and, and, as fuck. Yeah. They, and they're just so visual and clever, you know, in a way that, you know, is not misogynistic. That's absolutely <laughs> very that's, good. So point. That's, that's, that's 2016. Yes. You said Jeffy, right? 2016. Yeah. I think the crowd, I, I think the Kickstarter in 20- was in 2015, but the album came out a year later. What I want to point out is two of my favorite hip-hop artists ever had kind of a comeback in 2016. One was that album. The other was the unprecedented comeback of A Tribe Called Quest. That's right. Their right. 2016 yeah. album like picks up from exactly where they left it lying 20 years before. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, true. True. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that to the house, Jeffy. I remember I had that album. Yeah. Listen to Royalty Capes. Listen We're to the whole games, thing. everybody. Brian, Frank, se- unprecedented yeah. second time on the show. You're batting cleanup. Set us free. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd like uh, Kyle to just start us with it, then I'll tell the the story. Now I 
That's, That's the Shirley original. <laughs> nah. What? No, Kevin's going to love this one. This is the original version from 1964 that was recorded by Gloria Jones. What? Do you know who oh, Gloria Jones Gloria is? Gloria Jones, is that, is that Mark Boland's? Uh, who was driving the car, we'll say? Went yes. into the tree? Yes. That's crazy. So, wow. so we'll, we'll fill, we'll fill Mark, the Mark rest Boland, of the Mark so. Boland, Yeah, Mark Boland <laughs> is, uh, is the main guy in T-Rex. I mean, he is, he is T-Rex. He yeah. had a, a girlfriend. I don't think they ever got married. But she sang on a lot of his special, especially his later half of his career. Her voice is outstanding and brings life to some of those late period T-Rex records. He was a man who loved cars and wrote like dozens of songs about cars, but never learned how to drive. And uh, she drove him everywhere. And then, and then he died in a, in a car accident hitting a tree um, that I believe she was driving. Am I, am I correct was, in all of that? She was yes. driving. She was driving. And their son, uh, Roland... Still around, Roland Bolin. Roland Bolin, yes. Um, but uh, so in 1964, this is the first version of the song that she recorded, released, didn't chart. Then in the mid-70s, a British DJ found this record on a record shopping trip to America, brought it back to England, started playing it in clubs, which inspired Gloria Jones to re-record it in 1976, which we could do an unprecedented double song <laughs> double. like Adam did. But Mark Bolin produced her album called Vixen in 1976, and she covered this song because it was getting popular in England at the time. So there's another version, Kevin, produced by Mark Bolin. Wow, in I didn't know that. That song, too, did not chart. Uh, let's play that one a little bit, Kyle, if we could. Wow, this is awesome. I'm flabbermagasted. I'm getting into this. My jaw has dropped. <laughs> The rest of the world knows. Five years later, Soft Cell came out with, <laughs> with their, their version. version. I, I never knew it was a cover. I, I never, never knew, knew it was a cover. cover. I thought the only thing that was a cover about that Soft Cell song was the "Baby, Where Did Our Love Go?" at the end. <laughs> no, you know what's funny is <laughs> I knew amazing. it was a cover. I had no idea that she did those two versions of it. I really had. I knew the song existed and that, that Soft Cells because people would refer to it as Soft Cells version of it, and I assumed it was done by whatever some sort of Herman's Hermits band or is it some English band that we don't know, talk about anymore. I didn't realize that she had done that. That 70s version has very, very much a dandy in the underworld production value to it. That very crisp. I love the 70s version. That sounds yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, both versions were great. Listen to that album, Vixen. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'm it's putting like a Motown it right. version and a, anyway. I'm loading it right now. Um, That's fantastic. There you go. Now we we really hit each other with some very very well hidden treasures tonight. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that is that is what this segment is all about. The, uh, I feel the like magma I need, version I need, of uh, tainted yeah, love. Yeah, the magma magma's rad. original of tainted <laughs> love. Yeah. yeah, you haven't right, heard tainted, tainted love. love until you've heard it in the original magma. 
An original Cobayan. Sorry, Cobayan. The original Cobayan. Jesus Christ. All right, everybody. Send your questions, your comments. Wait, wait, and what your about own... the, the crown? Of yeah, the oh, you're right. You're crown. right. Oh, Sorry. my God, Kyle, doing? I apologize. Kyle. He's been waiting you've, all night. Okay. You've had to rescue your own <laughs> dog This tonight. is... I know, I did. I did. Did you guys see those pictures? Yeah, no. no. I didn't. The I didn't bobcat? See, I saw the For our listeners, uh, Kyle had to go combat a bobcat while we were recording. What? <laughs> yeah, my cam- my camera's off because my face is all... I had to separate my dog from the, bob- oh my God. From the bobcat. So I'm, that's my, wait, really? That's like yeah, my worst no. nightmare. Um, yeah. No, 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 no I not didn't. Injured. I didn't actually have to do that. I'm not injured. Okay. Um, okay, so Jeffy... I don't think you're aware of this, but we are handing out two crowns no, it's true. this I'm, week to one person. Not aware. <laughs> one person is getting two crowns what? this week, and uh, yeah, unprecedented. It was. Uh, you'll have to listen to last or to last week's episode to to really uh, you know Grocket. understand what's going on. Yeah. Um, so I think those two crowns are going to have to go to the man who played two songs first. Adam Felber, Ooh. you get the you get the Whoa. two crowns this week. You're just biased because you understood the words. You're just biased against yeah. songs. That <laughs> no, don't know Kyle, what tell, about. Tell, tell us why, Kyle. It, it's it's because you you simply just like understood the precedented nature of of the show, and you played two songs. So you know, I just I really like that. Oh. <laughs> two songs earns two crowns. Yeah. Oh, it was more what? of a format that's, issue. It was more of a format. Yeah, a it was format. It was sticking, to sticking to the script. Gems that we dropped tonight. That 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 is uh, <laughs> that's the way to do it, Kyle. All right. Or, so, or it's um, the coward's where, way out. Or it's the coward's way out. But wearing my two crowns, I thank thee, Kyle. Yeah, well, <laughs> I knight thee. Of course, of course, thou you don't think he's a coward. Sir Kyle of Dadman Land. Oh, brother. Yes, that's what you can do with the crown. Why did none, Why did none of you ever knight Kyle before when you had the crown? I didn't uh, know it bestowed upon me powers. Yeah, I didn't yeah know well, now now we know. Yeah, wow. I might even do something about the zoning laws around here in Dad Badland because that that giant creepy house at the top of the hill. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like that should not be a multi-family dwelling. It is not to code. <laughs> <laughs> okay, send your questions and comments to dadbadland at gmail.com. Follow us on all the socials. Um, it's, we're really fun on the socials these days. Dad Band Land is produced by me and by Jeffy Brannion. That opening music montage, usually by Jeffy, sometimes by Kyle. Editing and Starbridge production by Kyle, the Bobcat Slayer McGraw. <laughs> Sir Kyle to you and I from now on. Our theme song is by Adam Korn and Jeffy, Kevin, and Brian. I appreciate you. Oh, thank Thanks. you. Thanks. Yeah. You, don't, you, you don't even have to do that since you have two crowns. No, no, I was, gonna right, say, but... I was gonna say I appreciate you, but you crowned twice. You don't need any more accolades from us. You've Join already... me next week in my kingdom! <laughs> oh brother. It's already gone to his head. Kyle, never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's a cautionary tale, Kyle. I hereby declare DBL over for this week. Very well. DBL. DBL! Does Black Lives Matter? And love is love. <clears throat> A podcast network.